Well, we'd like to give Dr. Keenan as much time as possible. And I do believe that there is something significant about him being here today. Three weeks ago, I had no idea that this would be taking place, but we we're, have invited him because of a sense of the directing of the Spirit of God. So he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Now, come on, give a big welcome to Dr. Keenan Bridges from Tampa, Florida. Go for it. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, stand up on your feet and give God some praise in this place. Come on, lift your hands and give God some glory. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Oh, Father, we bless you and we thank you. We honor you. We give you name all the praise and all the glory. Come on, lift your hands all over the building. Just for a few moments, just begin to thank him. Just begin to worship him. Just begin to tell him how good he is. Thank you for life. Thank you for breath. Thank you, Lord, that you've brought us to this place today. And it's through your divine power. It is through your divine appointment that we are here today. This is not by man's might, nor by man's power, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, we give you full control over this service, full control over the atmosphere. And we thank you that your presence is in this place and that as your presence fills this place, we thank you that heaven touches the earth and eternity invades time and that miracles are easy in this atmosphere. Healing is easy in this atmosphere. Deliverance is easy in this atmosphere. Breakthrough is easy in this atmosphere. Salvation is easy in the atmosphere of the glory of the Lord. Somebody say, show me your glory. One more time, say, show me your glory. Father, let every word that I speak today be that which is ordained and commissioned by you, that you alone may be glorified. Give me the tongue of the learned to speak a word in season. Awaken my ears to hear as the learned. Awaken the ears of your people to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, that this is the set time for revival. South Africa shall be known as an oasis for revival for the nations of the earth. God, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you to the Raverts and, and for this beautiful church, this beautiful opportunity. I salute you in Jesus' name and thank you for having me. I don't take this lightly. Thank you, Dr. Pearl, for the invitation. And thank you to all of you who are here. How many are ready to receive this morning? Uh, I thought I was in Africa. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want to read a, a series of scriptures to you and... and and I really don't want to take up a long time, but I just want to set the stage. Go to Genesis chapter 1, a scripture that we've all read many, many times. And if you follow my ministry, you know that I have a tendency to 
take something very simple and to extract something not so simple out of it. In fact, I believe that God hides himself in simplicity. And that's oftentimes why people miss God, Pastor, because he hides himself in simplicity. Think about this. The creator of the universe was born in a manger. And because he wasn't born in a palace, the religious community could not discern who he was. And he, he does that on purpose. He hides himself in simplicity because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And even though God, listen to me, God is omnipresent. There is nowhere you can go on this planet where he's not there. In fact, I would submit to you that sometimes, you know, if you grew up in a Pentecostal background and a holiness background, you know, the, the, the elders would tell us, well, God's not in the club, he's not in the bars. Yes, he is. Because if he were not in there, you couldn't come out of there. <laughs> we call it prevenient grace, meaning that even though you were outside of God's will and you were not born again, the, the grace of God was still in manifestation because, it, because the grace of God kept us alive long enough to get born again. Come on, somebody. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you'll be there. That's called the omnipresence of God. God is so big, there's nowhere he cannot be. But, but there's another aspect of God, which is his manifest presence. Even though God is everywhere, he's omnipresent, he does not manifest himself in every place. He only manifests himself where he is invited and welcomed, where he's honored. That's why, that's why, listen to me, every believer, every believer has the Holy Spirit because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a believer. Am I in the right church? If you don't have the Holy, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a believer. But every, but, but, but every believer does not have the Holy Spirit resting upon their lives. That's only for those who properly host the presence of God. Are you listening to me? So I want to show you a scripture, Genesis chapter 1, quickly, please. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Stop there. The word without form and void is actually two Hebrew words, tohu and bohu, and it literally means, in its, in its original translation, it means chaos and confusion. How know that God's not the author of confusion? And this is why I, I, you know, some scholars refer to this as the recreation account. Because there's something that happens that brings the earth into a state of chaos. And God responds to it by two things. Number one, look at what happens. The Spirit of God moves upon the face of the waters. So the first thing that we see in Scripture, before anything happens, God's presence is there. And then the next verse says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Notice what happens. The presence 
precedes the word. This is very significant because before God speaks, he often impregnates the atmosphere where his word, watch this, where his word is spoken and this pregnant atmosphere of the presence of God becomes the environment that is fertile soil for the manifestation of his word. Am I in the right place? Are you sure? You said I could be myself, so I'm trying to. <laughs> That's why anytime you feel the presence, God's about to say something. And anytime God says something, he's about to create something. And anytime God creates something, it's good. Oh, let me say that one more time. Let me just take my time and say that again. Anytime God's presence comes into a place, he's about to speak something. And every time God speaks, he cannot help but to create. And when God creates something, it's good. Did you hear what I just said? So that's why when God is moving in a place, we must be very, very sensitive and be very, very aware of what God is about to do because God cannot show up anywhere and do nothing. He can't show up in a place and not change the place he showed up in. He can't show up in a country and not change the fabric of the culture. He can't show up in a church and not change the people. That's why when people say they felt God's presence, but there was no change, oftentimes we need to examine whether or not it was the presence that they experienced. Because God is incapable of coming into an atmosphere and not changing that atmosphere for his glory. I want to talk to you today about the power of the presence. The power of the presence. Somebody say the power of the presence. Now, we go to Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 for time. We know that Adam is walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and he is not wearing clothes. He's in what we call his birthday suit. But pastor, even though he's naked, the Bible says he's unashamed. And so I said, God, why is it that Adam would be naked but unashamed? And, and the Lord said to me, even though he was not naturally clothed, he had on clothes. What was his clothing? The presence of God. And because he was covered in the presence of God, he was no longer aware of his own nakedness. He had no fear, no, no insecurity, no self-consciousness. He's walking around in the cool of the day with God, fellowshipping with God, and walking in authority because he's in perfect communion with the Father. In fact, if we go to Genesis 2, listen to this. When Adam wakes up from his... When God makes Adam from the dust, he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, 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 can I challenge you theologically? How many know that God does not need oxygen?
I'm in the right place today. God does not need oxygen because oxygen is something that's created. God existed before creation, which means he does not breathe air. So when God breathed into Adam the breath of life, it was not oxygen. It was the presence of God. And when he breathed in him the Ruach, what happens is that when he breathed in him this spirit of life, man came alive. Watch this. And man walked in and he, be, he became aware of the God that breathed into his nostrils. In other words, Adam's first waking experience is gazing into the face of his creator. You were created to be in his presence. You were made to be in his presence. Then we see Genesis 3, something very tragic happens. High treason happens in the Garden of Eden because they break God's covenant. He told them there's two trees in the garden. We always talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but there were two trees in the garden. There was a tree of life. Then there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, you can eat of every tree except this one. And in man's rebellion, he consumes from the wrong tree. And when he does that, sin enters into the world. And Genesis 3 tells us that they were removed from the presence of God. They were created for the presence, but now they're removed from the presence. And when they're removed from the presence, their life becomes difficult. Thorns and thistles are waiting for them. They're now tilling the ground out of the sweat of their brow. And here's what happens. When we leave the presence, we have to settle for religion. That's man's attempt to draw close to God. We were never created to attempt to draw close to God. We were created to commune with God, to have fellowship with God, to be intimate with God. You were made for that. That's why inside of you is a longing for intimacy with God. And I said to the Lord, I said, God, this is, this is very important. You, we talk about South Africa and what's happening here. And, and all that's going on and all the prayers that have gone forth before us, why it is so important. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. He says, son, the greatest gift I can give to any man, any woman, any person is my presence. Now, you, I know what you're going to say because there's some theologians in the room that, that, you know, they examine every little thing you say and say, well, I need a scriptural reference for that. <laughs> I've learned the South African gaze since I've been here. <laughs> There's a South African gaze, you know, they're just like. You'll say to me, you'll say, no, 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 pastor, that's not correct. The greatest gift is salvation. But let me challenge you, what is salvation? 
It is the restoration of his sons and daughters to his presence. Not only is it the restoration of us into God's presence, it's the restoration of God's presence into us. Are you listening to me? The power of the presence of God. See, the presence of God is God's tangible expression of his person, his power, his character. You know, when you think about the presence of someone, when you walk in a room, your presence comes in the room with you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's, it's, it's how a person carries themselves. And, and, and there's something about the presence of God. When, when, when God's presence falls on a place, it is his validation that the place he manifests himself is the place where he's about to say something that will change something. That's why when we carry the presence of God, we are carrying the very atmosphere of heaven. And it's not something you just experience in a vacuum. It is something that we cultivate and that we, we, we watch this, we build upon and we learn to steward and we learn to carry and we learn to discern and to sense so that everywhere we go, as the presence of God is manifested on our lives, in our gatherings, that it is a place of transformation of culture. We can feel the presence of God. We can see the presence of God. We can discern the presence of God. Are you listening to me? Man leaves the presence, and God has to come up with a solution to this problem because he longs to fellowship with humankind, but he cannot do it legally because man has violated his protocols. And God, according to Psalm 138, has magnified his word above all his name, and he cannot renege on his word. So what does he do? He says, I have a solution. I'm going to become man, and I'm going to walk this life in the flesh of humankind without sin. I'm going to die in their place, that through my efficacious sacrifice, I'm going to restore them to fellowship with myself. Let me explain the gospel to you very simply. The gospel is the son of God becoming the son of man so that sons of men could become sons of God. That's the gospel. That's why he's known as Emmanuel, God with us tabernacling among us, flowing with us. I want you to go to one more scripture as I get ready to close. We're talking about the power. <laughs> Am I in South Africa or Nigeria? Because, uh-uh. What is this now? Is this this? (laughs) 
Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Talking about the power of his presence. Somebody say the power of his presence. His presence is powerful. The late Smith Wigglesworth tells the story of how he was, uh, a woman came to him and said, man of God, my husband is a heathen. He won't go to church. He drinks every day. Sundays I come from church. He's drunken. There's bottles everywhere of liquor. He swears. He uses profanity. He He's belligerent, and I just can't take it anymore. And Smith Wigglesworth told the woman, he says, have you attended my revival meeting? She says, yes. He says, will you be attending the next meeting? She says, yes. He says, I'll tell you what I want you to do. He said, bring his bed sheets to the meeting. She says, what? He says, you heard me. Bring his bed sheets to the meeting. And, and when she comes to the revival meeting, he lays hands on the bed sheets. And he says, Lord, I just release your presence on these bed sheets. So she tells the man, tells the woman, go home and change the bed sheets. You know, put these bed sheets on this sheet and, 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 and let this be the, the bed sheets that he sleeps on that night. And uh, so she does that. And that night, her husband is tossing and turning. He's tossing and turning and he's yelling in his sleep like he's burning. And he wakes up out of his sleep in a, in a pool of sweat. He says, he says, when are you going to church again? She says, what happened? She says, when I was sleeping, I felt the flames of hell all over my feet and all over my body. He said, what must I do to be saved? To the presence of God is tangible and transferable. Luke chapter 5, verse 17, watch this. And it came to pass on a certain day. Somebody say a certain day. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that's not the South African way. I said a certain day. As he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Listen to this. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. There's something about this. We know that Luke was a doctor who documents the gospel account, and, and this is the book in, in all the four Gospels that has the most miracle accounts in it. Some believe because Luke was a doctor, a physician, he had a very vested interest in miracles. And here it is, the Bible says that, that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Wait, what does he mean by that? It, it means that there had to have been something that was present and, and something that was palpable and something that was tangible, that was so visible in the atmosphere and so tangible and palpable that people who were witnessing this meeting could feel that presence. That the presence of God was there. And because the presence of God was there, this was the evidence that God was about to do something. 
It was the evidence that God is about to show up. And God cannot show up anywhere. And the place he shows up remain the same. God can't go into any life and keep the life the same that it was before he showed up. God is like a decorator. He'll change the furniture. He'll change the attitude. He'll change the mentality. He'll change everything. He'll shift things around because he's a king. He is, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you know anything about a king, even when a natural president goes to a place if the president or the head of state came to South Africa, they would have to adjust their conditions to accommodate him. If the Queen of England shows up and there's a kitchen and there's something she doesn't eat, they have to remove everything out of the kitchen that might cause an allergic reaction for her because they have to accommodate that royalty. In physics, there's something that we call the exclusion principle. Anybody study science? <laughs> well, the exclusion principle states that, that matter, two molecules of matter cannot occupy the same space at the same time. They cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Think about what I'm about to tell you. Heaven cannot occupy the same space, which means that when God comes into a place, everything that's not like God has to evacuate that space. I feel like shouting. Oh, come on, South Africa. I said revival is here. When the glory of the Lord shows up, everything else has to go. Corruption has to go. Perversion has to go. Bitterness has to go. Depression has to go. Sickness has to leave the room because the glory of the Lord is here and God never shows up anywhere and doesn't change everything. God doesn't show up to any place and doesn't release a word that dispels the darkness. When God shows up in a room, the room changes. When God shows up in a life, that life changes. When God shows up in a nation, that nation is never the same. And I'm here to prophesy to you in the name of the Lord Jesus that the Lord is here in this place and as a result of his presence, God is about to speak a word over your nation that will dispel the darkness. And God is saying, let there be light in South Africa. Let there be light in Johannesburg. Let there be light in Pretoria. Come on, somebody. Let there be light in Cape Town. Let there be light all over this place from the east to the west, from the north to the south. Let the light of God break forth and dispel the darkness. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Isaiah 60 says this, arise and shine. For thy light is come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth 
and gross darkness the people, but his light shall be seen upon you, and nations shall come to the brightness of your rising. I declare over this land, I declare over this people, that the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You say, but pastor, there are things that, that there's a lot going on in South Africa. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of issues. Now notice that the darkness didn't stop the spirit from hovering over the waters. The darkness was not powerful enough to stop the move of God. In fact, I believe, Pastor, that God moves the best under chaotic conditions. I want you to stand to your feet quickly. And just for a few moments, I want you to lift your hands. And I want you to begin to just pray. I believe the Holy Spirit is moving in this place. I believe the glory of the Lord is permeating the atmosphere. And something is changing. Come on, open your mouth. If you can pray in the Spirit, just pray in the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is brooding over this place. He is brooding over the atmosphere. He is brooding over your lives. He is brooding over your families. Come on, I need you to press into this. The presence of God is in this place. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. We invite you now to have your way. You, we invite you now to redecorate a life. To rearrange the atmosphere. To rearrange our hearts to be a place that is conducive for your glory. We welcome you right now. Come on, open your mouth and begin to pray. Open your mouth and, and begin to pray right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you that revival has already begun. We thank you, Lord, that change has already begun. We thank you that transformation has already begun. And we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor in the matchless name of Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God.